Good morning, Ross, and uh, thank you so much uh, for letting me come out and uh, join you again this week. My name is Kevin, and I am the uh, campus pastor at our Coleraine uh, campus. And so um, this week, just to make you aware, uh, while I'm here speaking on anxiety, I did this message at Coleraine last week, Nathan is at Coleraine preaching about suicide, which he preached about here last week. And that's kind of how we did this sermon series, is that we divided it up and everybody took a topic so we could kind of dive into it a little bit deeper. As you know, uh, this Light in the Darkness series, we're dealing with some things that we don't usually like to talk about. Uh, that's part of the issue. We don't talk about them. And, uh, and they're a little bit harder to deal with. Some of them are, uh, bring up pain or, or memories or loss. And so as we kind of think through that. But uh, if you were here last week, you know how powerful Nathan's message is. And so he's delivering that at Coleraine today. So I just ask you to be in prayer for Nathan and for the Coleraine campus as, uh, as he does that. And uh, Kay, who's on the stage this morning, will be joining me in Coleraine next week. Rick will be coming out here uh, next week as he talks about mental illness. And so as we just kind of continue to unpack this series, um, today we're talking about the idea of anxiety. And uh, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, anxiety disorders as a group are the most common mental disorders among Americans, affecting 18% of people in any given year. Over 20% of those affected by anxiety disorders are considered to have a high-severity problem, representing more than 4% of the U.S. population. That means that on average, out of every 100 people you pass on the street, four of them are likely to have a severe anxiety disorder. Now, last year, I was in a kind of a restless time in my life. Uh, I will call it a dark place, you know. Um, and, and there was nothing going on on the outside that would have let anybody know that I was dealing with something internally. You know, I've got a great marriage. Uh, my kids are all healthy. You know, um, I enjoyed going to work. Uh, it, it wasn't really any one specific thing that I could point to and say, hey, this is the problem. This is the deal. But I started having trouble sleeping at night. And so I would go to bed like normal, and I would fall asleep. But then a couple hours later, I would wake up, and it's like my eyes would just snap open. And I would have, it was physically hard for me to keep them shut. You know, I just couldn't lay there and try to relax. And I knew, I was like, man, I got some anxiety going on about something. But I didn't really talk about it with anybody. I would complained to my wife about the fact that I wasn't sleeping and she would give me instructions like, hey, you should probably talk to somebody or do you need, you know, what do we need to do about this? And I would kind of ignore her advice to talk to anybody about it. And I just kind of dealt with it. I would move from the bed to the couch thinking that maybe switching locations would help me to, uh, to fall asleep. And it was making me miserable. You know, you can imagine just night after night of struggling to sleep and how that affects your day and how that affects your mood and how that affects your temper and just all the stuff that comes along with it. And so I just found myself, you know, um, in the midst of this, uh, and I did nothing about it, honestly. And it started to become less and less, and, and finally it kind of went away, but I never really dealt with it. I tell you this because I was given, when I was given anxiety as a topic, I kind of felt guilty. 
like that I got the easiest of all the topics, and I was really being mindful. I remember thinking, I'm going to have to be really careful not to minimize anxiety because I've never dealt with anxiety. That's what I was thinking when, when we were talking about doing this series. I was like, I've got to be careful not to you know, speak over somebody because I don't understand anxiety. But the more and more I started digging into my research and studying anxiety, I was reminded, and kind of the blinds were pulled off, as to how much anxiety I've really dealt with, both growing up and in my life, but here recently as, uh, as I was in this season of life. As a guy, I dealt with my anxiety, exi- as a guy, I dealt with my anxiety the way that I deal with almost anything else in my life. I just ignored it. I just shoved it down somewhere and just felt like that, you know, if I pretend it doesn't exist, everything will be fine. Let me tell you, it's not a healthy way for us to handle anxiety or anything else. As we begin today, there's a couple things that I want to uh, communicate that we have to do when we're going to talk about any of these mental illnesses that we've been dealing with or physical illnesses as we talk about this light and the darkness thing. The first thing that we have to do is we have to end the stigma. See, there's a stigma about talking about any of the stuff that we're dealing with, and we have to put an end to it. Whether we're talking about mental illness or anxiety, we have to end the stigma of talking about these things. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to make it a big deal. I didn't want anybody to know that I was struggling with anything. I didn't want to deal with it. And we've got to end that stigma. The other thing is that it's okay to not be okay. You know, it's okay to, to understand and, and realize that, you know what, not everything is perfect in my life. When somebody asks you how you're doing, our remote response to them every time is, I'm fine. Even when we're not. And so we have to understand it's okay to not be okay. We just can't remain that way. And so that's some of what we're going to talk about today. How we deal with and overcome some of the anxiety that we deal with in life. When I was in my 20s, my sister was going away to college. I had stayed home for school, and my sister was going away to school. And so when she was going away to Kentucky to, uh, to go to college, my mom started dealing with some anxiety with the idea of her not being home anymore. And I didn't really understand it. And this was probably the first time that I had dealt with somebody firsthand that was dealing with real anxiety. And I'm not just talking about that my mom didn't like the idea that her little girl was going away to school. Like it started having physical symptoms for her and it started affecting her daily life. And that's part of what we're dealing with when we're talking about anxiety is that how does it affect you and, and how does it manifest itself? But as we started going through this, I just really, I didn't understand it. And so I would just be really flippant with her about it. Like, you know, my sister's name's Jessica. And I'd be like, you know, Jessica's going to be fine. Like, why don't you just stop worrying about it? As if it was some kind of switch you could just flip on or off whenever you wanted. I could not relate to what she was going through. And so I would just say, hey, stop it. As if, you know, she wouldn't if she could. Because I didn't understand because I wasn't going through it. And I think that that's how we approach anything that anybody else is going through, especially when it comes to topics about mental health so much. If we're not experiencing it and we don't have a problem with it, 
we don't expect that anybody else should either. And that's just not reality. Luckily, my mom was much smarter than I am, and she started talking to her doctor about it, and her doctor started working with her on a plan that she could deal with and overcome the anxiety that she was experiencing and go about normal, everyday life. So let's talk about anxiety. When we talk about anxiety, we have to understand that it is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease. Okay, That's what anxiety is. And anxiety has a bunch of possible symptoms. We're going to throw them up on the screen. They are restlessness, being easily fatigued, difficulty concentrating, irritability, muscle tension, or sleep disturbance, as I dealt with. 40 million adults in the U.S. are living with an anxiety disorder. Approximately 8% of children and teenagers experience an anxiety disorder. When you check out this stat, um, our student minister, Kyle, was sharing some stuff with me, and there was a survey where they surveyed a bunch of teenagers, and they simply just asked them this question. They said, do you feel like that your friends, your peers, are dealing with anxiety? 70% of teenagers surveyed said that their peers have a problem with anxiety. Let that sink in, parents. 70% of your students' friends, the the assumption is that they're dealing with some kind of anxiety problem. It's a real deal. And teenagers, we understand that you are growing up in a time that has never been harder. The things that are being thrown at you, the pressures that you're under, the the constant social media stuff, uh, anxiety is a real issue amongst our teenagers. One of the things that we need to understand is that there is a wide spectrum when it comes to anxiety. Everybody experiences some form of anxiety, so the spectrum can go from what we might consider to be normal, everyday, small amounts of anxiety to levels that disrupt everyday life. When is it truly a disorder? There's no golden standard. It requires interview and observation from a professional, but at the end of the day, most counselors would say that it's truly a disorder when it begins to affect a person's daily functioning. And that's what we're talking about when it comes to anxiety, is that you may be dealing with it on a small scale, but you could be dealing with it on a large scale, a scale that starts to have it creep into your life and affect your everyday living. And the truth is, if you don't hear anything else today, one of the things that we want you to understand is that it's okay to talk to somebody about it. We have the Counseling Alliance that's here present in our foyer. We've had people at the Coleraine campus as well. And they're here as a starting point for you to talk to somebody if you're dealing with something and you don't know what your next step is. It's important to remember that, everyone's, that everyone experiences things differently. We can't minimize or discount someone else's experience because it's different than ours. We can't judge a person's inability to cope when it comes to anxiety. See, that's what I was doing with my mom. I was judging her inability to cope because in the situation, I didn't have a problem with my sister leaving for college, and my mom did. I wasn't feeling any symptoms. My mom was. And so because I could deal with it just fine, I put on it on my mother that she should have been able to deal with it just fine as well. 
And so we have to understand that we don't experience things the way that everybody else does. And we can't judge the way that other people go through it. I want to put up on the screen for you a cycle of anxiety. And so what we have here is anxiety at the top. And so I'll walk this walk you through this, and, and we'll use just a real-world example. Uh, imagine that you get an envelope in the mail, and uh, inside that envelope is a bill. And this bill that comes in an envelope in the mail brings you anxiety because you don't have the money to pay whatever the bill is. And so in America, sometimes when we get an envelope and it's got something in it that we don't want to deal with, like a bill, there's a, uh, there's a form uh, of kind of relief that we will do. We will take that envelope and we'll open a drawer and we'll put that envelope in the drawer and we'll close it. All right? And so when we look at this, that's avoidance. Okay? So we've got some anxiety because we don't want to deal with this bill. And so what we do is we open a drawer and we put that bill in the drawer and we close the drawer out of sight, out of mind. Now I, for a short temporary time, I feel better. Because I don't have to think about it, I don't want to have to deal with it, and I just pushed it off. Okay? And so down here we've got short-term relief from anxiety. Problem is, is that that's not going to last. What's going to happen with that envelope? They're going to send another one. They're going to keep sending envelopes. And then those envelopes are going to turn into phone calls. And those phone calls, if your bill, depending on what it is, if it's your electric, maybe they're going to turn that off. If it's your house, they're going to start a foreclosure process if you, do, if you keep ignoring that. If it's your car, they're going to come back and try to get it. Whatever it is, you're going to create long-term anxiety growth. Why? Because you've put off dealing with whatever it is you're trying to avoid. And it's only going to get worse. It's not going to go away, whatever issue you're trying to get away from. And so that creates even more anxiety, and it becomes a cycle. And this is not how we are to deal with our issues, our problems, the things that bring us anxiety. Avoidance is not the answer. As I shared with you about my own personal story, um, It wasn't the right path for me to take. And so, as we get to uh, really the meat of today, what we want to talk about is how we deal effectively and appropriately with anxiety. First thing that we want to do is we want to check your input. You got to check what's coming in and, and what you're putting into yourself. I want to read a passage of scripture for you. It's found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 9. The Apostle Paul writes this, and he says this. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace 
will be with you. I want you to hear something. Paul, when he writes this letter to this church in Philippi, Paul is sitting in a prison cell. And he was imprisoned for preaching the gospel and talking about Jesus. And in the midst of a prison cell, he tells the audience that he's writing to, to rejoice in the Lord, to not be anxious about anything, but with thanksgiving to present your request to God. He says, think about things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. This is Paul's message from a prison cell. And so we have to ask ourselves, what are we feeding ourselves? What is coming into us? What kind of conversations are we having? Who are we talking to? Are they focused on positive things or negative things? I want you to hear me. This isn't a, uh, if you read your Bible more and if you pray more, all your anxiety is going to go away. And this isn't saying that, hey, if you're experiencing anxiety, it's because you don't have enough faith, because you're not doing all these things. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is when you are facing anxiety, when you are dealing with anxiety, you do have to take an inventory of what it is that's coming into yourself. Just like what we would eat affects our health, what we input into ourselves can have an effect on how we're living. And so you have to ask yourself the question, am I spending time in the Word of God? Am I spending time praying? Am I having positive conversations? Who am I surrounding myself with? What am I putting in? Because that's going to affect what's coming out. So we've got to check our input. Second thing we've got to do is we have to learn how to self-talk. There's going to be days when you need a pep talk. When you need somebody that's your cheerleader, when you need somebody that's going to pick you up off the ground, and some days the only person that can do that is yourself. It's going to have to be you. And we've got to learn how we can speak to ourselves. We're really good at tearing ourselves down. We're really good at being our worst critic. We're really good at just destroying ourselves when we fail. We've got to learn how to talk ourselves I want you to hear this passage of Scripture. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And the version we're going to be looking at is found in the message because I just really like the way that, uh, that this sounds. And I just want to read this for you. It says, the, word, or the, world, it says the world is unprincipled. It's dog-eat-dog dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way, never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. In the NIV, Paul says this. He says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
We need to learn how to take captive the thoughts that are in our minds and make them obedient to Christ. We need to learn how to take captive over our thoughts and make them positive and uplifting. Sometimes you need to fire your inner critic. We're going to put a graphic up on the screen. It says, what if I fail? And on here it says, what if I fail? And on one side it says, I'm a failure, okay? And I experience shame. But on another side, another perspective could say, what if I fail? It says, I'm learning, and that's compassion on myself. And it's all about perspective, you know? Uh, I fail, and that makes me a failure. No, what if I fail, and I can use that as a learning opportunity? I can use it to get better. I can use it to be better. I'm going to get back up off the ground. We have to learn how to talk to ourselves. We've got to learn how to self-talk. And so we've got to check our input. We have to learn how to self-talk. And we have to learn how to self-care. It's really important that we stop glorifying busy. We need to set healthy boundaries and consider creating a life that you don't need to take a break from. You ever heard anybody say that? Man, I just need a break from life. What if we could create a life that we didn't need to take a break from? Declutter and rebalance. And if we don't believe that these phones are part of the problem, that they are creating anxiety in our life, that 24-7 access or having to keep up with all the notifications that are going on, uh, students that are on them 24-7, if we don't believe that this is part of the problem, we've got to wake up. Declutter in your life is not an excuse to shrink responsibilities. Doing something that makes you feel good in the moment, going on a spending spree, but that will make you feel stressed later because of an overdrawn bank account is not true self-care. We're not just talking about doing things that make you feel better. We're talking about things that are going to actually make you better. You can pray for the peace of God, but if there's no place for it to land, there's no room for it, is it really going to stick? I want to turn your attention to the program. And in the program, we've got a tool that we've put in there. We've been putting inserts in this entire month with different things. And so on one side, we have an anxiety self-assessment. And uh, this is an assessment that you could take just to, or you could give to a loved one. And uh, this is going to help you get a grip on how severe your anxiety is. Because you need to be asking yourself the question, Is this something that I need to talk to somebody about? Again, we've got a counselor that's out in the foyer that maybe you could talk to. Uh, you You could talk to your doctor. But you have to be asking yourself the question, do I need to talk to somebody about this? Is this something that I need to seek help for? And this assessment might help you in that process. On the other side, there's a tool we put together. And it says at the top, breathe. Because sometimes when we're dealing with anxiety, we just need to stop and refocus. We need to stop and recalibrate. And this is not some kind of one stop or or this is not one kind of thing that's like, this is just going to fix all your problems. This is just a method of slowing down. And so we've got this Philippians chapter 4 passage on here. And the way that this would work is you just pull this out or you would pull up this passage on your phone and you would just read it line by line and then you would breathe. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Breathe. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Breathe. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Breathe. And just keep doing that over and over again. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Breathe. Sometimes we just need a reminder. Sometimes we just need a time out. Sometimes we just need to refocus and remember that God is near. And so this may be something that you could utilize. It may be something that you could put into practice. It may help you deal with some momentary anxiety that you're feeling in your day or in your week. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul tells us, do not be anxious about anything. Is it even possible to live a life empty of anxiety or worry? I mean, how is that even a thing in 2019? We're not trying to minimize or discount anxiety. I want you to understand that when it says just to stop, that, that we understand that's not just an easy fix. I, I don't believe that, uh, that we're just saying stop worrying. But I do believe that Paul's saying that there's some things that you can do, and I believe that some of the things that we've talked about today, whether it's checking your input or learning to self-talk or learning to self-care, I think that some of these things could help you as we're talking about how we deal with anxiety. But I want to point your attention to something. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul lays out this idea. And then in verse 13, he has this famous quote where he says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. He says, look, I, I can't do this on my own. It's not that on my own I can have no anxiety. It's not on my own that I can find contentment. And it's not on my own that I can do all this. He says, but it's through the power of Jesus Christ that this is possible. That is where our true hope comes from. It's where our true strength comes from. We can't do this on our own. And for so long, we've been trying just that, to do it on our own. I want you to hear something today. If you or a loved one's been battling anxiety or depression, if you felt like that your world's been spinning out of control, there is hope. And I want to pull one more phrase out of Paul's text and just remind you of it today. Because I believe it's something that we need to hear. It's the phrase, the Lord is near. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of that, church. We just need to be reminded that the Lord is there, that he is here for us, that he knows us, that he cares about us. In Psalm chapter 34, verse 18, it tells us that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Anxiety may be something that you deal with from now on, but it is manageable and there is hope, both from your physical symptoms and your emotional ones. Maybe in the past, you've dealt with somebody who's dealing with anxiety and you didn't handle it the best. Kind of like I did with my mom. 
and, and you wish that you would have said something better, or you wish you knew what to say, I'm going to encourage you to write down four things. Four things that I believe are things that you could tell somebody that they need to hear in the midst of their anxiety. Instead of saying, hey, just stop worrying about it, or, you know what I mean, hey, uh, you'll be fine, get over it. These are some things that might really help. And so here they are. First thing that you can say to somebody is, I'm here for you. This communicates that you care about them, and they matter, and that you're not going anywhere, and you're not running away from the problem. I'm here for you. The second thing that you could say is, you are strong, and I believe in you. This communicates that you believe they can get through whatever it is that they're dealing with, and that you believe in them. Third thing that you can communicate is, you are loved. Sometimes we just have to be reminded, and we need to hear it from people that matter in our life, that they're loved, that they matter, that you're there for them. And lastly, one of the things that you can say, and this kind of echoes back to Nathan's sermon last week, we, we need to say this, please don't give up. You're not alone. We need to encourage people that this problem that they're dealing with is not bigger than they are. It's not bigger than the God that they serve. That they are not alone. That they are not in this by themselves. Let me leave you with this. One last phrase from Paul's message. He says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we just need to know that. That God's peace can transcend anything that's going on. Anything that we could even understand. And so no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're going through, no matter how much anxiety you've been facing, no matter what your past looks like, know that God's peace can transform your life. You know, I didn't handle my anxiety really well last year. And one of the things I've learned as I'm diving in and digging into this is just because the symptoms are gone doesn't mean that my issues are gone. And through, so through this, I have to be paying attention to what's going on and, and know that it's okay for me to talk about it and to deal with it. Would you pray with me? Dear Only Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for the opportunity just to share your word, God, and your hope. I pray that those that are out here that are hurting, that have been dealing with this for years, God, that your hope would be known, that your strength would be known, that your power would be known, God. I pray for people who need to talk to somebody. I pray for those who need to seek help, God, that they would have the courage to do just that. We thank you so much for your son, Jesus, that makes hope possible. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.